Good day. Welcome to the Gospel Call. I am your host, Russell H. McCullough. This is a broadcast of the Archdale Church of Christ. This is a rebroadcast, as it were, of last night's Bible survey lesson on Lamentations. We presented it on Facebook Live, but we're unable to get it on the Anchor FM format. So we are re-recording it uh, today, being Thursday, the 16th of April, in the year of our Lord, 2020. And so we wanted to continue our survey of the Old Testament books. We're taking one book at a time. Last time we finished up with Jeremiah. Today we're looking at Lamentations. Lamentations is the work of Jeremiah. Jeremiah is forever associated with the lament. And so I would like to call your attention to Jeremiah chapter 7 and verse 29. And the Bible reads thusly, cut off your hair and cast it away, raise a lamentation on the bare heights, for the Lord has rejected and forsaken the generation of his wrath. So there you have it from the ESV version of the Old Testament, the book of Jeremiah chapter 29. God is associating forever Jeremiah with the lamentation, and that's where the book we call Lamentations came from. The book Lamentations uh, comes from uh, the name given it in Jerome's Latin Vulgate, which came from the Septuagint, from the Greek word rendering loud cries. So when you think lament, think loud cries. In the Hebrew Bible, it is called Ekeia, E-K-A-H, which is translated how, H-O-W. But it carries with it a much deeper meaning of despair, like how or why that people will cry out when they are in great distress. And so that is how it came to be called in the Hebrew Bible, the book of how, because how is the first word in the book of Lamentations chapter 1 and verse 1. And so the rabbis call the book the book of loud cries. The book of loud cries. In other words, lamentations. The word lamentations that we referenced in Jeremiah is a different Hebrew word, quinah, which uh, according to Strong's definitions, uh, a quinah, a loud cry is quote, a dirge accompanied with a beating of the breast, end quote. So a funeral lament, the beating of the breast, as one laments the loss of a loved one. And Lamentations is a very interesting book because it's the only book in the Bible that carries only laments. There's nothing else in the book of Lamentation other than the laments of Jeremiah. 100% laments. And so it's a unique book in that way. It's just a fantastic resource uh, that we need to pay attention to. Now, as far as the date and the author of the book of Lamentations, it is a... Lamentable diary, if you please. It is a 
book that was written down by an eyewitness who was eyewitnessing the lament of his nation as it's being dismantled, destroyed, murdered, and enslaved. And the lamentor is a participant in the lament. He is the eyewitness of eyewitnesses. He not only eyewitnesses these accounts, he's a participant in the accounts. And so Lamentations was written by Jeremiah over about a period of a year in the year 586 B.C., the year that Nebuchadnezzar destroyed Jerusalem and burnt the temple of the Lord. Now, even though in the book itself, the name of Jeremiah is not mentioned, there is, of course, much internal designation of his authorship, especially in chapter 3 of Lamentations. Lamentations chapter 3 is full of first person plural pronouns. He speaks of himself and uh, therefore he's there and therefore he is the author. He begins with chapter 3 with verse 1 and we'll read just a little bit so you get a feel for this personal pronoun. I am the man who has seen affliction under the rod of his wrath. He has driven and brought me into darkness without any light. Surely against me he turns his head again and again the whole day long. He has made my flesh and my skin waste away. He has broken my bones. He has besieged and enveloped me with bitterness and tribulation. He has made me dwell in darkness like the dead of long ago. And we know that Jeremiah is referring here to himself. This is not messianic in this part of the book. How do we know this? Because in verse 4, Jeremiah says that he has broken his bones, and we know that Christ himself, no bone was broken. So Jeremiah is referring to himself. Now, uh, also we know that this is consistent with what God told Jeremiah in the passage we read earlier, Jeremiah chapter 7, verse 29, uh, where God is assigning these lamentations to Jeremiah to give to Judah. Now, it's very interesting, if you'll turn in your Bibles to Second Chronicles 35, there are other laments that Jeremiah wrote, which gives increasingly credibility, increased the credibility who is authorship of Lamentations, because he's a he's known as the writer of laments. He lived in a time of laments. And he personified his time by writing laments. If you'll look at verse twenty five, Jeremiah 
This is 2 Chronicles uh, 35, verse 25. Jeremiah also uttered a lament for Josiah. And all the singing men and singing women have spoken of Josiah in their laments to this day. They made these a rule in Israel. Behold, they are written in the laments. And this book of laments that is referenced here is no longer in existence. It was a book that uh, is, is lost. But we know that it did at one time exist, and at one time there was contained in this book a lament that Jeremiah wrote concerning Josiah. So he's uh, very much associated with the lament Jeremiah is in the Old Testament. And one other thing here about lamentations that is uh, significant, and that is that the language of lamentations is painful to the point where one has to recognize that the writer is a participant, not just an observer. So we can rest assured by all the information that we have that Jeremiah is indeed the author of a book that was written as an eyewitness and a participant in the year 586 as Nebuchadnezzar destroyed Jerusalem and burnt the temple. So we want to give just a little bit of background here to the book of Lamentations. Um, Jeremiah lived a long life. It was a terrible life. As we mentioned last week, by the order of God himself, Jeremiah was not to be married. He was a man who spent his entire life alone. He was the most isolated man that we read of in Scripture. He was a recluse because he was shunned and rejected universally by everyone. He had no friends, no associates. He had the one servant, Barak. But as far as camaraderie from anybody else, there seems no evidence. And not only was he rejected and shunned, he was persecuted, hated, and likely even murdered. He likely died in Egypt. Now, he lived from about 645 B.C. till about 570 B.C. A right long life of about, let's see, about 85 years, if my math is correct. It may not be. So check me out. But Jeremiah was a man who loved and wept for people who absolutely rejected him and the word he preached. An admirable person who loved and wept for people that hated him. He was a very, very close man to God. He's called a 
three things. He's called the weeping prophet. And he's called the pillar of iron. He's called the wall of bronze. All these things that God made him to strengthen him in his struggles of rejection. If we see Jeremiah as a lamenter, uh, we would be uh, correct. But we would also see him as a man of stalwart faith. That nothing, no matter how bad it got, overwhelmed him. And he lamented for strength. Now, Lamentations is one of the five books in the Jewish Old Testament, as they count their books. It's part of a book uh, in the Jewish Old Testament. It's called a Megaloth, the Megaloth Scroll. And it contains five of the five separate books in our Bible. But in their Bible, it's just one book called the Megaloth Scroll. And inside the Megaloth Scroll... Um, are uh, Ruth, Esther, Song of Solomon, Ecclesiastes, and of course, Lamentations. Now, in the Jewish synagogue, there's designated readings. Uh, every Sabbath day, there's a designated reading from one of the scrolls of the Torah, and a dedicating read, reading from one of the scrolls of the prophets, and a dedicated reading of one of the scrolls called the writings, which would be any book that's not part of the Torah or of the prophets. And so Lamentations is read in the synagogues on the ninth day of the month of Ab. Now, the month of Ab runs from our July 15th to our August 15th. So the ninth day of Ab would be approximately July the 24th. July the 24th. It is read to remember the month of the destruction of Jerusalem by Nebuchadnezzar. Now, it's very, very interesting to note. And there are no coincidences in the Bible, so it is a significant thing to consider. It is interesting to note that this date, the ninth day of Ab, the 24th of July, or thereabouts, and we use the word thereabouts here because the, the Western calendar that we use is a static calendar calendar. It has to be adjusted every four years by what we call leap year. The Jewish calendar, on the other hand, is a lunar calendar. So things move by the movements of the moon, and so therefore uh, the same day might appear on different days uh, throughout the calendar year. Um, so it's kind of a moving target, but uh, it is interesting to note that this same month of Ab, 
uh, the 24th of July, uh, or thereabouts, the ninth day of the month of Ab, is also the same time that the temple and Jerusalem was destroyed a second time in AD 70. So the, the time of destruction by Nebuchadnezzar and the time of destruction by Titus the Roman of the city of Jerusalem and the temple of our God uh, is approximately the very same time during the year. So that's the backdrop for the book of Lamentations. It is a book written as Jerusalem is destroyed and occupied by pagans, and the temple of God is desecrated and burned by these same pagans. It's just shocking to think in terms of how these people must have reacted to this reality. Now, there are a number of theological propositions in the book of Lamentations, and we want to review them here. Uh, so if you'll turn back in your Old Testament Bibles to uh, Lamentations chapter 1, we want to begin. The first theological proposition in Lamentations is God's judgment as a consequence of the nation's sin. This event, this destruction, is coming about because the nation has sinned and brought upon it God's judgment. Lamentations chapter 5, excuse me, Lamentations chapter 1, verse 5 and verse 8 speak to this. Her, Judah, her foes have become the head. Her enemies prosper because the Lord has afflicted her. Why? For the multitude of her transgressions her children have gone away, her captives before the foe. And also verse 8, Jerusalem sinned grievously. Therefore she has become filthy. All who honored her despise her, for they have seen her nakedness. She herself groans and turns her face away. So this judgment has come about because of the sin. God's judgment is a consequence of sin. The second theological proposition of Lamentations is the hope in the tenderness of God. So there's a contrast in Lamentations, judgment and hope. And so their hope is in the tenderness of God. Chapter 3, verses 22 to 24. This is a familiar passage, but one that we must always cling to regardless. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in it. So the hope in the tenderness of God is the second theological proposition in the book of Lamentations. The third theological proposition is the sovereignty of God. The sovereignty 
of God. God is sovereign. He rules. He reigns. He causes all the shots. Not some, but all. The Lord is the afflictor. In verse 5 of chapter 1, he is the sovereign one because he does the afflicting. In verse 12, the Bible says this, Is it nothing to you, all you who pass by? Look and see if there is any sorrow like my sorrow, which is was brought upon me when the Lord inflicted on the day of his parents' anguish. Who is the inflictor? It is God. He is the sovereign one. And then in verse 15, the Lord all rejected all my mighty men in my midst. He summoned an assembly against me to crush my young men. The Lord has trodden as in a winepress, the virgin daughter of Judah. God is the crusher. God is the trotter. He's the one doing the punishment. God is sovereign. The fourth theological proposition in the book of Lamentation uh, refers to the prayers. The prayers of the prophet. Jeremiah is the only one in all of Judah that is speaking for God in these days. Um, and uh, he's a praying man. And we have one of his prayers in chapter 3 that begins in verse 43 and goes through verse 54. And we want to read the words of the prophet. This is not like any prayer that you would typically hear on a Sunday morning in our congregations. But this was the prayer of the lamenter, Jeremiah. Let us begin. All our enemies open their mouths against us. Panic and pitfall have come upon us. Devastation and destruction. My eyes flow with rivers of tears because of the destruction of the daughter of my people. My eyes will flow without ceasing, without respite, until the Lord from heaven looks down and sees. My eyes cause me grief at the fate of the daughters of my city. I've been hunted like a bird by those who were my enemies without cause. They flung me alive into the pit and cast stones on me. Water closed over my head. I said, I am lost. Verse 55. I called on your name, O Lord, from the depths of the pit. You heard my plea. Do not close your ear to cry, to my cry for help. You came near when I called on you. You said, do not fear. Jeremiah was a lamenter, but he was also a man of prayer. And he expressed his lament to God. 
and then called upon the name of the Lord for salvation, God saved him and preserved him. Now there are messianic illusions in the book of Lamentations. In the passage that was just read, in verses 48 and 49, it speaks of tears, and it alludes to the Christ as he stands before Jerusalem and weeps. The Bible says that Jesus wept, and he stated there, as the tears were rolling down his face. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often would I have brought you under my wings as a hen does her chicks. It was not out of pleasure that God destroyed Jerusalem in 586, it was not out of pleasure when God stole the life of the nation away in 70 and destroyed the nation and the temple again. It was because of the sin of the people. They brought the curse upon themselves. You recall in the, the courtyard of Pilate, Pilate asked the people, what shall I do with this one called Jesus? And they cried out, crucify him, crucify him. May his blood be upon us and upon our children. And so it was. That generation did not pass until they saw with their own eyes the destruction of their beloved city and the temple that they worshipped. Gone. Because of the curse they called upon themselves. And so, the sixth theological proposition of the book of Lamentations is one that is implied, and that is, when one reads Lamentations, one cannot but think about their own life in their own time, wherever that might be, one must reflect upon their faithfulness to God and the faithfulness to God of that generation in which they are a part. And so may these laments not fall on deaf ears today. We hope and pray that... <laughs> Many will hear these words and consider them. Now, there are two key words that are used in Lamentations by Jeremiah that we should consider because they're such strong contrasts. They're completely opposites. And the two words are weeping and renewal. In a lot of ways, the lament and the renewal are extreme opposites of each other. 
that when one weeps in a lamentation and receives the salvation from that distress, whatever it might be, it is a time of renewal and rejoicing, two opposites of the same spectrum, weeping and renewal. So we want to look at each of these separately. The word weeps comes from the book of Hebrew, bakah. It is the act of wailing, the act of wailing. And this act of wailing consists of a wide spectrum of emotions, from weeping with joy all the way to the opposite, weeping in distress. But the same word is used for both emotions. In our book of Lamentations, it's used in verse 2 of chapter 1. She weeps bitterly in the night with tears on her cheeks. Among all her lovers, she has none to comfort her. He's speaking of Judah. All her friends have dealt treacherously with her. They have become her enemies. And also verse 16 of chapter 1. For these things I weep. My eyes flow with tears. For a comforter is far from me. One to revive my spirit. My children are desolate. For the enemy has prevailed. Uh, this is how it's used in Lamentations, but it's used in other ways, in other places. If you will turn uh, to your Old Testament Bible, the book of Genesis chapter 50, chapter 50 and verse 1. It's used in a lament. Then Joseph fell on his father's face, that would be Jacob, and wept over him and kissed him. And then in 2 Samuel 2, 2 Samuel 2, in verse 12. I think I've written that down wrong. Maybe it's verse No, I've written this down. I wrong. I apologize. But the Genesis 50 verse 1 text shows us how this word is used in a lament over the dead. It is also used as a lament, uh, not a lament, but an expression of joy. Uh, Genesis 29, 11. Genesis 29, 11. 
Then Jacob kissed Rachel and wept aloud. That was uh, obviously a weeping of joy. It is also used as a expression of goodbye. You'll turn in your book of your Bible to the book of Ruth. The book of Ruth. Chapter 1, verse 9. As Naomi and her daughters-in-law are parting one from another, the Bible says, The Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. This is Naomi to her daughters-in-law. And she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. There we have a, a lament from a goodbye. And then in Jeremiah 9, and verse 1, another use of this word weeping has to do with coming disaster. Coming disaster. Oh, that my head were waters, and my eyes a fountain of tears, that I might weep day and night for the slain of the daughter of my people. A weeping for approaching disaster. And then uh, Jeremiah chapter 1. Verse 1 and verse Actually, that's Lamentations 1, verse 1, and verse 16. Lamentations 1, 1 says this. How lonely sits the city that was full of the prophet. Full of people. How like a widow she has become. She who was great among the nations. She who was a princess among the provinces has become a slave. And then in verse 16. For these things I weep. My eyes flow with tears. For a comforter is far from me. One to revive my spirit. My children are desolate for the enemy has prevailed. And so this key word of weeping uh, is used to express The emotions of one just departed. To express the emotions of joy. To express the emotions of goodbyes. The emotions of an approaching disaster. And the emotions of remorse over sin. And so when we read the word weep, it is a word full of meaning. 
more so than just crying. And the word weeping is contrasted with the word renew. So we want to end this discussion on Lamentations on a message of hope, a message of renewal, a message of restoration, a message of recovery, a message of regeneration, a message of restoration, renewal. The key word renewal comes from the Hebrew word chadash. And it's used in Lamentations chapter 5 and verse 21. Lamentations 5 and verse 21. The Bible says, Restore us to yourself, O Lord, that we may be restored. Renew our days as of old. That's where the word is used in Lamentation. And that's what uh, renew is all about. It's about restoration and renewal. To bring back the best and to restore it to its former grandeur. Renew. Uh, to renew is used in a number of ways uh, in our passage and also Psalms 51 and 10. It is used to mean to renew. If you'll turn the books of Psalms 51 and verse 10, the Bible says, Curate in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. So the word renew means to renew, to build again, to give us something that was once present but now is gone and to restore it once more, to renew in us a right spirit. It also means to repair. If you'll turn in your, your Old Testament to the book of Isaiah, chapter 61. Isaiah 61, Isaiah 61, and verse 4. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. The word renew means to repair. And an unusual use, if you'll turn uh, in their Bible, Old Testament Bibles to the book of Leviticus, chapter 26, Leviticus 26 and verse 10. You shall eat old store long kept, and you shall clear out the old to make way for the new. So the old and the new harvest is contrasted with this word renew. That you'll have plenty of the old to sustain you, and then the new will come, and then you can set aside the old and be renewed with the new Old and new harvests are contrasted. Also, this word renew 
means something different from the status quo, something different from the status quo. Uh, Ezekiel uh, talks about uh, this. Ezekiel chapter 11, verse 19. And I will give them one heart and a new spirit. I will put within them, I will remove the heart of stone from their flesh and give them a heart of flesh, that they may walk in my statutes and keep my rules and obey them. And they shall be my people and I will be their God. Uh, so something different from the status quo. And also Ezekiel 18.31. Ezekiel 18.31. Cast away from you all the transgressions that you have committed and make yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. Why will you die, O house of Israel? So... It's different from the status quo. Renew also can refer to a new song in the heart. Uh, chapter 40 of Psalms. Psalms 40. You'll turn over there. Psalms 40. Verse 3. He is put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. So this renewal means uh, a song, a new song in the heart. In Isaiah chapter 42 and verse 9, Behold, the former things have come to pass, and new things I now declare. Bring them spring forth. I will tell you of them. And then 43 and 19. Another usage. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. So there is a new phase in God's redemptive plan, a renewal. And then in Isaiah 62, verse 2, The nations shall see your righteousness and all the kings your glory. And you shall be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will give. 42 and 62 and 2. And when we read this verse, we're reminded of what the New Testament says about the city of Antioch. And the Bible says that they were called Christians first 
in Antioch. God gave him a new name. And finally, a new heaven and a new earth. Isaiah 65, 17. For behold, I create a new heaven and a new earth, and the former things shall be not remembered or come into mind. So that is renewal. So in review, the word renewal means to renew, to repair. It contrasts the old with the new. It's different from the status quo. Renewal is a new song in the heart. Renewal is a new phase in the redemptive plan of God. Renewal is a new name. And ultimately, renewal is a new heaven and a new earth. So that is the book of Lamentations. It is a book of laments. It is a book of weepings. But it's also a book of renewal and hope and resurgence and reformation and restoration and redemption and remission. These are the things that we should think on. These are the things that we should strive for. For all the rest of our strivings have to do with the weepings of this world. We are called, as they were called, to leave our laments behind and to embrace the praise of renewal, the thanksgiving of renewal, the salvation of renewal. And we must do thusly, as did Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. And so as we end this broadcast, let us pray. Our most kind and gracious Heavenly Father, we are so thankful, Lord, that you have left us this book of laments. May we read it often and consider these lamentations, not for depression, but for renewal in our hearts, for restoration in our hearts, for forgiveness in our hearts, and for the love of our brethren in our hearts that come about when we realize that we have been renewed, that we have been restored, we have been remitted, we have been placed inside the family of God through Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray, amen. So we'll see you next time, Lord willing, for the 9 o'clock a.m., Bible study hour next Lord's Day right here on the Gospel Call on Anchor FM. I'm your host, Russ McCullough. God bless you.